and I would say 95% of people in this business have already planned for their exit anyway. I mean, it, the NFL uh, stands for not for long. Uh, so you know, you know that you're going to be out at some point soon. Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast, the podcast that dives into the philosophies, ideas, and practices of some of the best practitioners in high-performance sport. In this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast, I have the absolute honour to speak to the only Super Bowl winner to come on the podcast so far. In 350-odd episodes, the only Super Bowl winner, and that's James Hanish previously of the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's an absolute pleasure to get James on for this episode today. And we dive into some really interesting topics that I don't think I've really dived into before with anyone. One, been sacked, been fired. What's that like? What was the process like for him? How did he plan for what was going to happen beyond the Eagles? Knowing that at some point that was going to happen. That transition and that transition into a more commercial role with Hawking Dynamics... So it's a really interesting chat, and also we obviously dive into the uh, into his role at the Eagles. So he was a sports scientist, and we have a little look into the the load monitoring side of things that the the process they put into at uh, the, the process they put in at the Philadelphia Eagles. Also, some of the tech that they used, and more importantly, the process they went to choose the tech that they use and actually filtering out some of the stuff they didn't need based on feedback from players and coaches. So this is a super, super interesting chat with James and I'm one, I'm sure it'll be one you absolutely love. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Hawking Dynamics. Hawking Dynamics is the world's first wireless force plate testing system. The Hawking Dynamics system is built for coaches to test in the real world, not just in the lab. Capture reliable data on all your athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor their progress in the cloud from anywhere in the world. The Hawking Dynamics force plates are wireless, portable and trusted by teams at every level of sport. Integrating force plates into your athlete monitoring program has never been easier or more affordable. If you want to see the Hawking Dynamics force plate system in action, head over to their website, hawkingdynamics.com, to schedule a demo or follow them on Twitter at Hawking Dynamics. And this episode of the podcast is also sponsored by iMeasureU. iMeasureU is used by leading sports practitioners and biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi-limb inertial data in the field. IMU Step from iMeasureU is a dual sensor and app lower limb load monitoring tool which helps practitioners optimize return to play for running base sports. I measure you have just released their new and improved waterproof sensor blue trident which includes ultra high g capabilities to quantify high impact steps such as cutting landing and sprinting, longer life battery to collect data all day, real-time feedback to aid immediate interventions and faster workflow so practitioners can review long training sessions within minutes of training completion. iMeasureU, now part of Vicom, works with military, pro and collegiate coaches and athletes from around the world, including the Australian Institute of Sport, the US Department of Defence and collegiate and pro teams from around the world. If you want to get to know more about iMeasureU, head over to their website iMeasureU.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at iMeasureU. So without further ado, over to the episode with James Hanish. James Hanish, welcome to the Pace Performance Podcast. Thank you for giving up some of your Wednesday evening. Thank you very much. Yep, in lockdown. So here we go. Yes, I had to double take then and just make sure I actually got the right day. Firstly, time zones mess me around. Don't know what day it is then. And then family things have come along and added to the chaos. So I had to double check that it was Wednesday, but thank you for, thank you for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Anyone doesn't know who you are, would you mind just giving us a, a brief intro to you, what you're doing now, what you've done previously, and we're going to dive into your uh, experience in the NFL, which is super exciting. So a little bit of background on you, mate. Sure, yeah. I'll keep it short and sweet. I mean, I grew up in Adelaide, uh, Australia, uh, did a exercise science uh, degree and then 
uh, basically kind of interned for the for like Adelaide Football Club um, and Port Adelaide Football Club uh, back at home, kind of in the sports science realm. It was just as a kind of GPS technology was taken off. So I kind of found my niche in there. And then uh, from there, moved to Brisbane Lions uh, football team uh, in, uh, in Australia as well, obviously. Uh, and then I uh, was lucky enough to get a call one day to you know, see if I wanted to try the University of Oregon uh, football team um, and kind of run the sports science program there. Uh, so, yeah, didn't know where Oregon was, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> sounded cool. But, so, it, so it sounded cool and sounded like a pretty good experience. So, uh, yeah, I, wasn't, I was engaged but not married at that point and uh, decided to you know, go over there and, and try and make it work and... Uh, and we did. Uh, we did get married eventually, but then, uh, yeah, and, and so I had a great time in Oregon, um, and and kind of ran the sports science department there. We, uh, you know, helped build a whole facility there as well. Um, Marcus married a, a performance complex, so uh, yeah, that was fantastic. And then and then got the opportunity to work at NFL um, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, end up being the director of performance science for them as well. Um, yeah, which which was uh, six years, and then now I've actually moved back to Australia. Um, and working for Hawk and Dynamics, um, kind of force plate performance tech uh, company, uh, kind of heading up the Asia and Oceania regions. Um, so, yeah, really excited to get back to Adelaide and uh, kind of reconnect with friends and family and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, had just had a third child. So it's it's great to kind of come back and, and uh, be around family and kind of start a new challenge as well. Nice, mate. I've actually got a Brisbane Lions jersey. Beautiful. I went, yeah. I like it. Yeah, so we went for a little little tour around a couple of years ago and it was when Selwyn Griffith was there. So he sorted me right out um, with the with jersey. So yeah, big fan, of course. Um, <laughs> so, again, another sport I know nothing about, but I did go to a game. But, um, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it went to, well, it wasn't a Brisbane Lions game. It was Gold Coast Suns a, a couple of years after that. Um yeah, it was a day we actually landed in Australia. I'll be honest with you, lasted about three quarters of the game, and I was gone. I had to go to bed. So, but it was good. Yeah, very much, very much enjoyed it. Yeah. No, I hear that jet lag's a real thing. Wow, <sighs> absolutely brutal. Kind of similar to uh, having a baby, as you know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Very similar. <laughs> yeah. Very similar. Very similar. So I'm interested, like I am when people move overseas. What was that transition like going from Oz to the States? And was there anything that you kind of wasn't expecting that you came across or some things that was a, a bit of a surprise to you or a, a pleasant surprise? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think um, there's a couple, right? You have your like professional differences and then also your personal differences. Um, and, you know, the personal stuff, uh, I think I, I listened to Joe Club's podcast actually that, that you had her on and uh, it, was, it was so similar. It was uh, a little bit scary, but just like going to the shopping, you know, and, and you know, first time I walked in the shops, you've never used any product whatsoever. So, you know, soap, you're like, okay, what soap do I actually like? Um, <laughs> and just, just random stuff like that. So that, that's the side of it that's obviously different. Um, that's probably more culturally different than you realize. Um, and then obviously just the different cultures that are in the US as well and kind of understanding uh, those cultures. And it's obviously been a pretty uh, turbulent time in the US over the last few years um, or last year particularly. So, uh, yeah, just learning about different cultures that way uh, was definitely a, a huge uh, kind of point of difference that I didn't really anticipate um, that ended up being like a, a, I'm really, really grateful for being over uh, when I was uh, during kind of the, the era that we were in and then um, kind of how it transitioned into like just some, yeah, just deep discussion, understanding and, and kind of really some great self-reflection on uh, kind of how I was brought up and, and history and all those kind of things. So that was definitely a huge point of difference. Um, and then professionally, I think, you know, Australia really has that kind of top-down high-performance manager model um, where everything feeds up into that kind of top of the pyramid. And uh, that's very different in the US. I think, you know, in some places, the medical staff is the, you know, uh, kind of the more department in control in some places, the you know strength and conditioning staff are more in control, but it's definitely more siloed uh, in the US than I was used to in Australia. So, uh, which actually made the role really fun, especially moving to Oregon. Uh, you know, it I was a great bridge between the gap because um, you know I kind of learned early on, like you just 
check their ego at the door and kind of walk in and hope to learn from everyone. And, uh, you know, I've always seen the kind of sports scientist uh, as the, as someone underneath everyone that helps lift everyone up um, and kind of, you know, help push each other to like use information and uh, kind of develop each other in, in and grow as a group uh, and learn about what we're doing and the systems that we're using and the processes that we are, that are we ad- adopting um, and kind of make sure that we're all on the same page. So uh, that was probably the biggest lesson for me was other than just learning about the weight room and lifting and um, just the differences between Australian football and American football and, and that side of it. I mean, the weight room, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there compared to Australia uh, just in terms of the weight that's being lifted and all that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, it is it is similar uh, things uh, and you know adopting the same techniques as you would uh, from Australia to the US but um, you obviously have to go in and realize that you know nothing about the culture that they have and that you know nothing about the sport really compared to what they do so uh, just listen uh, don't be obnoxious and, and kind of go with the flow so that was kind of what I went with so for people listening they'll hear the job title director of performance science at the Eagles Obviously, a big, big title, big organizations, very glamorous. Why go home? Why go back to Oz? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. To put it simply, like I, I just, I didn't, I didn't last. Uh, you know, so like I survived a few coaching changes, uh, you know, throughout my career. But the last coaching change, I didn't, and then was really looking after a new role. And um, it kind of simultaneously happened at a time that we were interested in moving home anyway. Uh, so. You know, my son is just turning six. He's starting school. Uh, we'd always kind of talked about when he starts school that we would come back to Australia and do schooling in Australia and kind of set ourselves up. Um, so it did just coincide with that uh, at the same time. But yeah, uh, I also got really, really fortunate uh, talking with uh, Ben at Hawken Dynamics um, and uh, it just kind of all fell into place perfectly. We're, you know, uh, now that I'm working for them, like we're expanding rapidly um, and having some feet on the ground uh, in this like Asia Oceania region is huge for us. So um, yeah, I just sometimes things just happen to work out perfectly, and it has. Um, and you know, I've kind of lived my life with that calculated risk. Uh, you know, that was the whole movement to to America in the first place was kind of hey, make some calculated risk in your life, and uh, you know, if you have a fallback, have a fallback. But um, if you don't take the risk at all, you'll never you know some things will never happen. You'll regret it. Um, you only, only got one life. So that's kind of what we've been through the whole time is like, all right, let's move to Philadelphia and, and see what happens. Um, so, you know, it's just a, yeah, that's, that's the reason why for the move back and um, yeah, couldn't be happier to be honest. Nice, mate. Correct me if I'm wrong, but 2017 was a Super Bowl win. 2017 season. Yep. 2018 was the win. Okay. I'd love to dive into that. Because I'd, if I correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think no, we haven't had anyone who've who's got the accolade in their under their under their cap. Wow. Super Bowl winner. So yeah, I'd love to dive into that. Not, it's, I'm be honest with you, it's not a sport that I know tons about. Obviously, massive respect the 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 athleticism and all that that kind of comes with it. But it's never something prick as the time zone. Um, I'm not saying it's staying up till two <laughs> and two to yeah. one. But I'd I'd love I'd love to dive into just what that was like like what what made that staff what made them that group of players come together to be able to achieve that in that particular season yeah i mean i've I've obviously listened to your podcast a fair bit and uh you know a lot of people talk about process and i think you know it you can say it a thousand times and it gets really boring but it really was the process and it kind of built um you know, I, I came in with uh, Chip Kelly um, and just ha- and an extraordinary staff. James Harris was the you know, chief of staff, um, and then like Sean Hulls and and Josh Hinkst were kind of sports science strength conditioning coach as well. And I kind of came in uh, with those with those two guys as well as the rest of the staff who were really really knowledgeable at the same time. Um, and and they kind of already created a culture over a couple of years. Um, of you know chip was huge into sports science you know he brought me over to oregon as well and um and so there was this really great culture from a sports science standpoint um already uh not to mention other sides of thing of leadership and and style of coaching and how to communicate with each other and um all those different aspects 
Um, and then, you know, once once uh, Chip had left and they brought Doug Peterson in, they actually kept basically a whole bunch of staff, all the position coaches, almost all of them. Um, and it really just kept that cultural train going. And, and that was honestly something I loved about Oregon as well was they like so many position coaches have been there for over 20 years. Um, you know, some of the staff have been there 30 plus. And you could really, you could feel the difference in the rooms when you had people that have been there for that long. And you obviously don't want to, uh, you know, not have a growth mindset and be stale in your approach and all those things. But if you get the right people who are continue to grow and they uh, review themselves and, you know, try and get better each, each year and you can see that like the deliberate act of, uh, you know, improvement, then, you know, why not keep those people on? Uh, you know, you're going to have ebbs and flows in uh, performance, um, but like, can you have sustained performance? I guess is the the key part there. Um, I've gone on a tangent, but you know, I I think that you know, I, I got really lucky to begin with. You know, the like Chip had actually introduced me to the playing group um, as well, and you know, whenever the head coach is introducing you or saying something, you know, he he would go and dive in the ice bath after after practice. And so, you know, he dives in the ice bath with all the players. And so you know that the next time you have a conversation about recovery protocols with a guy that they're going to listen to you. Um, and so he introduced me as like, we handpicked him from Australia, like he's here with us. Uh, and so that just goes to your credibility. You know, like if, um, if you're trying to sell something, like you want to build rapport and you want that person to feel like you're an expert straight away. Um, and so that really just did it uh, off the bat. So, you know, it all started with the process kind of 2015 and then kind of carried on through. So, you know, Doug definitely brought a different feeling uh, to the locker room and to the playing group um, as well. Um, and, you know, it just kind of built from there. Um, and it's just more of the process of kind of building from step by step, getting the right recruits in, um, you know, having the right leadership group in um, and, and kind of building, you know, kind of brick by brick, as boring as that sounds. <laughs> um, but I guess one of the things that, you know, I, I think that set that year apart was we kind of had the term grey man um, for kind of those second to third year players. And if you look like grey man theory is about, you know, when, uh, when, when stuff hits the fan, you know, people, you know, mould into the background and um, they're, they're the ones that kind of, just keep working and keep doing what they're supposed to do and you don't really notice them. Um, we kind of use that terminology uh, as these are the people that keep our team uh, connected and culturally primed. Um, and so what I mean by that is more there was communication between both sides of the ball, so offense and defense, communication from special teams and uh, you know the different groups, uh, communication of leaders, getting guys in and keeping them accountable um, you know, are you lifting? Are you not lifting? Like what programming you're doing? Are you talking to your coaches? Are you in the meetings? Are we doing dinners and staying in contact with each other? These, this group of second and third string players that, that really just set the tone for the rest of the team. Um, they're obviously really hard to find in a big number, but we had a big number of them. Um, and that, that's what made that year really special. Um, you know, the staff was incredible, uh, all those things, you know, there was just a, a building over multiple years of just like great people. Um, but then the last piece was the, the players themselves. I mean, there, there was such a, a tight, uh, group in between different position groups, uh, within the team itself that, that really made that year special. So, um, yeah, I hope that makes sense. Mm, no, absolutely. I mean, we've we've gone through it recently. <clears throat> excuse me, here in the UK with England football team getting to the final of the Euros, and there's this outward facing togetherness of the players, and that's clearly been created by the the people behind the scenes and people have been on the podcast, Bryce Kavanagh, obviously um, fellow Aussie, um, and and the English guys as well to create that culture. And culture gets that that word kind of gets thrown around a lot. And I'd be interested to know from a from a staffing point of view, how you facilitated that communication, that togetherness, that camaraderie amongst the players to which pulled everyone together, which pushed everything forward. Uh, just is there anything that you guys did specifically to kind of foster that, or was it just the characters of the players that just a really good fit at that particular time? Yeah, I think. 
you know, I think there's uh, a couple of things you can do uh, for that. Um, I don't know if we were, you know, as deliberate as what we could have been, um, but we were deliberate on who we uh, brought into the building. So like our, our, uh, our process of uh, like recruiting players into the program was very uh, diligent on what their reporting had been from different colleges and different people, different pro teams um, and people they have met and their family. Um, so the notes taken on each of the players was very thorough. Um, and so that, that in itself uh, really led to having those types of players in the building and, and making sure they were there um, and then keeping them as well. Um, so kind of being deliberate in which players that we kept um, to make sure that we were maintaining great people uh, and not getting, you know, too concerned with like, the actually quality of the player on the field, but being more concerned with who the person was, obviously have to perform. Um, but you know, can we can we wrap them with the tools necessary for that to happen? Um, Sorry to interrupt, James. Same, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, mate. Is was that the same? Was that the same with the staff as well? Were you as diligent with the staff that you brought in, or was it that staff from 2015 that had kind of moved with you and developed together? Uh, it was a combination of both. So there was still a bunch of staff who were uh, who were there in 15, um, who were still there in 17. And there was obviously some other staff that had been brought in as well. So, you know, I do think the continuity of having the staff from that, from that time definitely made a huge impact on uh, the players' trust with the coaching staff as well, um, the communication between the coaching staff uh, and the players. Um, you know, it, it's hard if you try and change staff every two years to, to gain – uh, like how do you communicate? How do you know who likes what and which players are what they're going through? And um, but we made a particular, you know, uh, in 2015 we we did everything under the sun, and I'm just talking performance side. Like we did everything under the sun in terms of you know sports science and testing. And um, I had a I had a great time in terms of like what I learned in that year. I mean, we were doing Amiga Wave every day. We were doing uh, like way in, way out with, you know, scales that just talk to the cloud and um, USG every day, questionnaires, all, all these things. We were doing a, a thousand things a day um, and having all these data points. And I think, uh, you know, what we learned that year was we've collected way too much and we're looking at the computer way too much and uh, we need to disseminate this information down uh, or filter that down into some smaller chunks and, and let's, let's actually talk to people. Um, so we kind of went back in the shadows a little bit from that point in terms of our testing with the players, um, but we were really methodical about what we actually chose to do. And I think that was kind of the same across the board for all different departments, whether that be like football tech or um, coaching. It was really a pair down, but um, a pair down in the, in the best sense. We went from, okay, we need 100 data points to make a decision on someone to – Oh, let's use 10 and get 99.9% of the way there. Um, so that was really the crux for us was finding that balance between, oh man, your sleep's really poor. Um, let's make sure we give him like some dream water tonight to, hey, why is your sleep poor? Um, if we chose sleep as something that was you know needed to be discussed. And it's like, well, I've just had my kid. I, I, like, he's two weeks old. I haven't been asleep for like three weeks. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of that's kind of how I would say that the the culture for our staffing groups changed. It got a little more refined um, in the re- approach. So not necessarily different people, but the actual like skill sets and the and the processes that we had got more refined. Nice little segue there into the into the sports tech monitoring, sports science side of things. So what 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 got binned? What was the excess that you chopped off? that you didn't need when you'd potentially over-egged it in them first couple of years to, to slim it down? And, wh- and why did them decisions get made? Yeah, I think rather than naming like individual companies, I, I hate to do that. Um, I, uh, I think it was more about, you know, how do we have the least amount of footprint on the players um, from a, a testing and monitoring standpoint? How do we make a, a testing is training and training is testing, uh, you know, mythology? Uh, methodology and then how do we uh how are we going to collect that and make decisions off of it um is obviously the last part and you know for us it was more about okay what has a really big footprint that's you know and i don't know if we did this exactly 
we probably we probably did, but it was uh, you know this one has a, a huge footprint. Um, what are we getting out of it? Uh, this one has a really small footprint. We get a lot out of it, um, and just really just we, we we did go through a whole list of things that we were currently doing and and uh, and utilizing. Um, but we really is like, okay, what, what is going to give us obviously the biggest bang for the buck is the saying, uh, you know, in terms of reporting and, and sometimes like, and for people that haven't got a giant budget like the Eagles, you know, there's some things that are really simple and easy that give you a huge bang for buck, like RPE, right? Like there's things that you can do that, that give you a, a huge, you know, a huge tool that's inexpensive and that you can get a, a, a you know, big carry out from. So, uh, that was, that was kind of our process through that. And, and it worked for us, like, you know, you know, we obviously found GPS really important for us um, for the majority of players. I think for the, the linemen, uh, it was okay. Um, but then, you know, we found force plates really important for us, um, not only for like neuromuscular fatigue, but then also for, you know, recruiting and for power output across the year and looking at, you know, how things trend with our like programming. Um, are we getting what we want from strength or power or speed? Um slash velocity and uh yeah so it's more about like okay what are the three or four things that we really really value and we really utilize and that we can explain to the players and explain to the coaches to make a difference um so you know and then i would say wrapped in all that would be just how we went about um our planning and preparation um because i think that was probably the part that um you know we needed to get better at and we did um you know over those first couple of years was uh more like okay we know that injuries happen on these days of training camp. So let's plan our periodization of training camp so that those injuries don't happen on those days. Um, we have all this data collected at all. So let's just let's just use that in our planning and preparation and the rest of it will take care of itself. You don't need to be reactive to what's going on because you've already like anticipated or planned for it. Um, so that was probably the big stuff, you know, in terms of sitting down with Doug and going through, uh, well, Coach Peterson and going through, um, kind of the planning and periodization time like of, of training camp and practices and and you know what are we going what are we anticipating and and kind of go from that uh, workflow if that makes sense yeah absolutely so at the end of that at the, at the point where you're making or reflecting and then therefore making decisions was any feedback from players and from coaches to say you're taking too much of these guys or was it very much an internal staff i think we're taking too much from these guys and we need to strip things back no it was definitely both it was okay. definitely both it came from both angles like we we had a couple of players just like this is i mean it was it was insane 2015 yeah. was insane um and so it, it was it was really you know we we did a, a whole exit interview with all the players on all the departments you know what what do you like what don't you like and, and we read everything so um kind of learning about what you know what they had thought is is incredibly important um and we want them to buy in as much as uh, you know, as, as much as anything. So, um, you know, if they don't buy into testing or screening or how we're going about our business, uh, then you know we're, we're not going to get the information that we want either. So, um, but then in terms of like, we also wanted to make it a place that was fun too. So we don't want to make it this like make it feel like a lab. Like that's why you have the coffee. Like you know, we had a coffee machine back in our area. So, and couches, so guys would come and sit, have a coffee, you talk about life and you learn more about people. I think that's probably what I've really, really enjoyed about, and maybe it's just getting older, but um, <laughs> like uh, just the stories of people and where they've come th from and, and, you know, what they've been through through their life and how that's impacted what they're doing now. I think um, we, we can all learn more from other people and, and kind of put our walls down and learn about each other. Um, and I think people will be surprised about the impact of that, um, that you can have on other people's lives and they can have on yours at the same time. So without getting too deep and emotional, um, <laughs> you know, I do think there's definitely, you know, that's a side of sports science that I didn't realize coming out of college um, or university. Um, that's, you know, that's exceedingly important, especially when you get into the, into the business and, and the politics that go along with it. So we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with James. So in part two, my favourite bit from part two is towards the end. It's a little bit, probably shouldn't be my favourite bit, but I think it is. And it's around when James's contract was not renewed at the Eagles. How he dealt with it, the plan he put in place previously, knowing that this was going to come at some point. And I think it's a topic that never really gets talked about. 
well, given the, the nature of, of, of the topic itself, that's probably quite understandable. But I think we need to talk about this. It's, it's something that goes on in sport all the time. So that's my favourite bit of part two coming up with James. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Fusion Sport. Fusion Sport is a global leader in human performance solutions for elite sport, military and workplace health. Fusion Sport's data management and analytics platform, Smarterbase, is designed to provide elite human performance organizations with a one-stop shop solution for the holistic management of their teams. Highly configurable and capable of allowing the integration of other systems and wearables into its operations, Smarterbase enables organizations to capture, manage, analyze, report, and share data across the whole organization. When you adopt the Smarterbase human performance platform, you're choosing more than just a product, you're choosing a technology partner and a team of consultants who have worked with some of the world's most elite performance organizations. Smarterbase is trusted by the world's best in human performance, including the National Basketball Association, the NBA, the LA Lakers, US Special Operations Command, Australian Institute of Sport and US Soccer. Visit fusionsport.com forward slash Smarterbase to learn more about how Smarterbase can help turn your data into a winning advantage. And this episode is also sponsored by Omega Wave. Omega Wave is the only non-invasive at rest technology on the market that analyzes readiness to train via both brain and cardiac analysis. Using DC potential and HRV to understand your brain's energy level and autonomic nervous system balance allows you to use objective data on recovery and readiness that in turn helps you to truly individualize your training and thus optimize performance. Omega Wave also measures ECG from the V6 position. This data can be used by the medical profession to check cardiac health on a frequent basis. The measurement takes only four minutes to perform and results are visualized in an intuitive way thanks to our windows of trainability concept. Omega Wave is used by hundreds of elite sports, military and law enforcement organizations. Learn more about Omega Wave by visiting their website, omegawave.com and their social media channels. And this episode is also sponsored by Output Sports. Output Sports is a Swiss army knife for optimizing off-field performance. Output Sports have developed a one-stop portable tool for comprehensive, valid, and reliable athlete assessment. For the first time ever, you can assess metrics such as jump height, barbell velocity, Nordics, and speed and agility, all with a single wearable sensor. Output brings unparalleled efficiency to athlete testing to allow sports organizations, performance centers, teams, and athletes to make data-driven decisions. The technology has originated from eight years of research and co-developed with over 40 sporting partners across the globe. You can learn more about Output on OutputSports.com or follow them on social media at OutputSports where you can schedule a demo. And back to the interview with James Hanish. See, another thing that we well, we spoke about off air about the the trends that come through our industry and pass by, and then something comes, something else, else comes along. And communication is definitely one that we're in the thick of improving communication. Now, that little <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that little example there of just sitting down on a couch and having a coffee with someone. How hard is that to actually do? Because do you have to be the right person to be able to do that? Like, that seems pretty simple and seems to, by the sounds of it, have an incredible bang for buck, given the time that you put in versus the output that you get out and the understanding of these characters and these personalities. To me, and this is me going around it in a try to be nice as possible, I don't need to spend a £1,000 to go on a course to be able to learn to sit down and have a coffee and chat to someone and, and listen. But is it as simple as that? Or were you doing other things on that side to get to know these players? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think some people innately have that skill, right? Some people do have that skill to be able to listen really well. I, I wouldn't say I'm the best listener, but I, I do try and actively listen. Um, I think others continue to, to talk and not listen at all uh, and would probably benefit from a course learning how to how to actually listen. <laughs> yeah. But um, with that said, like I think that's the difference between different players too, right? Or different staff members. Um, 
you know, we did some we did some work on uh, kind of personality typing and and how you connect with different people of different personalities and and what annoys people of this personality and and you know what what ways to talk to people in certain circumstances if if you uh, catch my drift, um, you know, and I think that's the same with players is you know just and this is this is the beauty about having a diverse staff. Um, I think you know it, it's really important that you have a diverse staff because people are going to gravitate to different people um, and that's just the reality of life. Um, and, you know, we had, you have some players who are unbelievable work ethic uh, who, you know, you have to actually tell them to go home because they're just doing everything possible. They're watching film on couches. They're doing extra lifting. They're watching film while they're lifting. You know what I mean? So um, I think, you know, then you have other players who are just gifted uh, who can get away with, you know, get away with in loose terms. Like if they actually applied themselves, like you want them to apply themselves, they'd be the best. Um, but you know, they can get away with what they can. Um, and, and so it's more about like, how do you, how do you fit different people with different players and coaches with different players and coaches with different staff? Um, Cause everyone has different relationships and kind of learning that, you know, that side of things and, and checking their ego at the door, realizing that like you're not, you know, the only person who can talk to anyone. Um, it's not a, it's not a hierarchy and, and you're not you know, going to get disciplined for talking to a player that's not in your group or whatever. Um, you know, we had one of our staff members work at a player at like five thirty in the morning because that player wanted to have someone at one time and trusted him and didn't want other people to, you know, watch what he was doing. Uh, great. If, if that relationship's, you know, solid and he, they were going to dinner and do his other stuff. They learned about each other and their lives and they became really close and, um, he was a huge player for us in that Super Bowl year. So I, I think, you know, regardless of who's talking to who and just, you know, have diversity in your staff um, and in the, the make the best person connect with the person that you need to. Um, and so I think that's kind of kind of lesson I've definitely learned from the communication side of things the last few years. Them exit interviews. I'm really interested to just touch on that a little bit as well. Was that something yeah. that was done every year? Were did you struggle to get players to be as honest as you wanted them to be, or were they they went for it straight away? And would you do that again? Would you continue to do that? Would you encourage others to do those types of interviews post season? A hundred percent. I mean, a lot of that came from um, like the, the GM, um, and so you know we as each department weren't privy to others' departments, um, which I think is great. Um, and, and so, you know, it was more about feedback for us as a group, uh, and learning what the players think of us and what we need. And, and I think the directive from like the GM and the owner were be as honest as you want, because you want to make high level decisions on these guys. Um, which is, which is great. I think that's, you know, and if we're taking care of our business in terms of, you know, doing after action reviews and being really methodical in our approach, then that will come across in that anyway. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. I think learning what the players' uh, opinion are of different people and different groups is incredibly important um, in, in building that kind of robustness with each other. Um, you know, I think one thing that was, you know, noticeably absent uh, when I came to the US and just speaking to different teams, different people from different teams, uh, was kind of the lack of their own review um, within departments themselves. So that was something that I took a lot of pride in was, hey, here's our end of season report. Um, it's about nutrition. It's about, you know, injury rates. It's about, you know, our strength numbers and all, like basically every facet of our, uh, you know, what's touching the players and how do we get there, our, our player development program and rookie success program, you know, reviewing all these areas and then, you know, what what needs to change? What needs to uh, stay? And then how can we get better? Kind of the one up, one forward mentality. Um, and I, I think that was, you know, for me personally, is like you don't know where you're going um, unless you know what you've done. So let's let's kind of figure that out so we can move forward and grow and get better. Um, and so that that to me were kind of the yeah yes I would definitely do reviews. I'm a, I'm a big review guy. <laughs> <laughs> so suppose 2017. What constraints were then put were in place after that? What challenges did you have after that to to go again? I know that's super hard given that the system been obviously so different to over here. Um, but yeah, what challenges were in place to to that didn't allow you to to kick on again? 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, expectation lifts, right? Yeah. Like you, uh, you know, and that's uh, that's just the reality is, you know, we're, you know, it's not successful if you don't win it again. Um, and, you know, sustained success is incredibly hard. I think we had the right pieces in place. Um, but, you know, we there was a lot of adversity in the 2017 year with a lot of injuries, um, especially late, uh, which was unfortunate. So the, you know, the surgeries all ran late. Um, you know, we had a basically had a bunch of guys still in, in rehab. I think it was 15 or something, um, 15 or 20 still in rehab leading into the next training camp. So, uh, you know, that was definitely a huge toll and, and, you know, it just depends. There's so many factors that, that go into it. It's, uh, you know, do you continue to recruit? Do you have the cap space? Uh, have you done the best from a performance standpoint? Have you done the best from a medical standpoint? Um, there's there's so many interconnecting layers there that, um, you know, we we obviously didn't do it right because we didn't we didn't win the Super Bowl again. Uh, but you know, we also you know we made playoffs for the next two years um, as well. So I think you know it's also about tempering expectations at the same time. Like what, you know, what is success and can it be sustained over a long period of time? Um, but you have to have the right players as well and the right group um, as well. So yeah, definitely a multifaceted approach. I think, you know, there's obviously failings in every department, which is, uh, which is part of it, right? That's, you, you gotta, you gotta take up and own. And I know that as a department, like we obviously didn't do what we needed to do, um, to the maximum, um, and I would think that the rest of the departments would do the same thing and put their hand up. In terms, just I want to dig into a little bit of the weeds into the sports science system that you helped create around that around that time, pre then, and, and and obviously post as well. What were the what were the key facets of that program that allowed you to get that success? And there was I read a little bit of a piece. I can't remember which player it was. I think it was a player that had come injured, maybe hadn't particularly um, got over that injury. But he's, he, one of the quotes was that he'd joined you guys because the reputation that the sports science department had. And so I just wanted to get to know a little bit more about kind of what you were doing and the, the real successes that, that you feel that you had in that department. And we've had a little chat around some of the things like filtering things out and been very methodical in the kind of information that you did collect but just maybe a little bit more if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big question. I think, um, you know, I think we had, uh, we, we, we had a really great connection between the staff. Um, you know, myself, like Josh Hengst, Sean Hulls, and then you had uh, like Keith Gray, Ben Wagner, uh, Mike Minnis is our, you know, our uh, nutritionist and, uh, and, and Patrick McDowell. And just as a small unit, uh, we were really, really tight. Um, you know, we go to dinners together and um, like we knew our families. And I think that was uh, on display in terms of how we communicated for, like, professionally. Um, so, you know, we would, uh, we were really open and honest with our programming um, and what we wanted to achieve, but then also, you know, what we thought and, you know, Josh did a great job. He was a head strength coach of, you know, he was so collaborative that, you know, you could basically just pull apart a program and say like this, this doesn't work with this. This is not what we aim for. Um, you know, they would pull me apart and say like, we're not testing them. That's, you know, that's stupid. Makes no sense practically. Um, and then, you know, Sean was the same. You could say something about, you know, how our program was in general, what direction we were going and um, kind of our, you know, play development program that we had going as well. Um, so everyone was really open and honest um, which I think carries over to the players more than people would expect. Um, so like an example of that, if we're getting to the weeds of it, is you know, every four weeks we would literally write down, you know, what was positive, uh, you know, what can we get better at, um, other notes, and then uh, anything that was, you know, particularly great um, that you want to mention. Um, and really just kind of we went through that as a staff every single four weeks um, and how did that last block go? What, what could we learn from it? Uh, would you do the same exercises again? Would you do the same reps and sets? Uh, did you like how we uh, were specific with these different people? Um, how was that testing protocol? Did the information come out fast enough? All those things, right? So like going through every single facet, like um, 
you know, our compliance has gone down on uh, our recovery shakes and on our, uh, you know, supplements. Uh, so going, going through all these different areas and, and being like really, really diligent with uh, talking to your players and making sure that we were staying up on that stuff. But being as our staff, like once we walked out of those meetings every four weeks, we all knew the direction we were going. We all knew uh, what our pain points were and, and how to get better. Um, so yeah, that, that was a, I guess a really key part was just the connectiveness of our group, um, as a, as a smaller team. And then from a, like a sports science principle standpoint, um, you know, I've never personally, I've never believed in like the golden, uh, ticket, right. Or the golden number that's going to show us that someone's flagging or, uh, there's an issue and, um, it's just, you know, staying up on latest research and, and doing reading and then, um, you know, the non-sexy part of uh, sports science is data management um, and cleaning of data and outliers, which is really boring. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the part that's really, really important, uh, probably the most important. And I think, you know, from that point, I, I really enjoy kind of a multi-layered approach. That there's, Like if we're just talking about, say we're talking about distance covered, right, just like a, like a training volume, you can just say volume. Um, I kind of like to have different layers uh, that are all, you know, uh, integrated with each other. So, okay, you have a position group of 10, uh, you know, what are we expecting using historical data? What are we expecting for this, this practice today or this week? Uh, what did they actually achieve? You know, what's the percentage breakdown of the position group per player? What were we expecting? So maybe someone had 20% of the volume. Well, that's, they were meant to have 10%. That's way higher, but their actual volume wasn't that much different. You know, do, let's use acute chronic. Let's use monotony and strain. Let's use uh, MBI um, and kind of go through like all the different markers that we might have. And then let's look at it all together. Um, and then at the very end, just use common sense. Uh, so I think that was kind of my approach with, you know, the numbers themselves was, um, I want to look at all the information like monotony and strain. Yeah, that's great for like seven days. That's fantastic. Acute chronic. Okay. It's getting slammed the research right now, but I think people are using that forever anyway, of just looking at this week versus other weeks, mm-hmm. like how, what I look like, um, you know, it's important to be, you know, particular with the research and understand it. But then when you're applying it practically, like it's, it's okay to use something that, uh, isn't exactly scientific. Like sometimes you just need to know some general information about something. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it was also, well, you know, we've seen historically this guy can't do more than 4,000 yards. Um, like he just, his body is really sore. Anecdotally, he says so. So let's cap him at 4,000 yards. When he goes over that, then we have a problem. So I think I think it was more about, you know, how do we look at certain data points and be like have a multi-stage approach of looking at that and then try and do that timely enough that we can get the information out really quickly. Um, so, yeah, I guess that just into, you know, my mindset is more of, um, you know, being complex with a really simple number um, and kind of we talked about before about having 100 data points to make a decision versus 10. I guess I'm also talking about having rather than having a uh, hundred different, you know, protocols or uh, testing types, maybe you only have one testing type, but you look at 10 variables really deeply. Um, so it goes back to that footprint on the player of, let's not have a huge footprint on player, but we can, let's try and be really complicated or not complicated, but really uh, um, like decipher the information that we are getting from that um, and try to make really informed decisions, but don't be locked into like one, one way of looking at things. Um, try and try and spread your mind out and uh, you know it's okay to not know exactly what the numbers are going to tell you um, and and make just a common sense informed decision um, at the same time you mentioned the word or the phrase common sense a couple of times sorry no 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 it's good it's good it's great um i want you to just dive a little bit deeper on that do we are we a little bit or can we get a little bit too hung up on making sure everything is in a box and links to a research paper and we kind of cover our own back that we're doing a certain thing because it's been done there, 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 when actually a little bit of common sense would suggest that we can actually do this. It's not in any research paper, but I just know that I think that I think that's the way to do it because I've just got this intuition and I'm, I've been around the players, I've been around the staff, we have good conversations. I'm thinking we just, we stick with this. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like uh, that's, 
that's the art of coaching, mm. right? Like coaches have been doing that forever, awesome. intuition, and most of the time they're right. <laughs> um, so, you know, I always thought the, the sports science side of things, like the numbers really, you know, you know, not, you should know 90% of what they're already telling you. It's the 10% that kind of, uh, that you can use it for and make like really big decisions out of it. Um, yeah, I, I think end of the day, like the common sense should prevail. Um, and, you know, research papers, look, it's awesome. You, you can gain so much insight about new techniques and understanding information differently, understanding, you know, how to how to apply it. But at the end of the day, that, that research wasn't done at your place, with your culture, with your team, with your coach. Uh, so uh, unless it was you, obviously, <laughs> but... <laughs> But it, you know, most of the time it's not. So uh, you know that that to me is like you know your team and your staff better, and you guys should make your own decisions. Um, and yeah, use use research to back it up. Um, but a lot of the time, you're also if you're in pro sport, you're also pushing the boundary as well. So yeah, the research that you're looking at is three or four years old, um, and and you're you're hopefully being a trendsetter. So uh, do things differently, and um, you know try and apply it the best you can because that's really you know. You're trying to make just informed decisions. You're not. You're not uh, in the research game. You're. You're in the performance game, and unfortunately, you're on a knife's edge the whole time anyway. So, um, you know, you're, you're trying to. You're going for peak performance. You might fall over uh, off one side. Hopefully, you don't. Um, but you know, injuries are going to happen. That's that's part of the game. We've been on forty-five minutes, and I've made a note right at the start because I want to make sure I get to it, and it's a little bit uncomfortable. So. Please tell me if it's if it's a no go zone. But I've never really spoke to anyone about being let go from an organization. Can you can yeah. you give us a little bit of an insight? Because it's it's something that gets I suppose gets is a rumbling underneath on maybe on social media on conversations that are going on. But it's there and it's real and it's it's the it's the job that you guys do at the at the high end, knowing that things can be taken away from you by something that you do or something that you don't do. So would you give it a, a bit of an insight into that? just that process? Obviously, you don't have to go into the, the finer details of what that, I don't know, settlement or agreement looks like, but just going through that as a person, what was that, what was that like? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. Yeah. I, I don't think I've been asked that before. I think, uh, you know, I, it's definitely, it's, you know, you, you kind of define yourself as that role, right? Like I, I define myself as a performance person. Um, and so when that, when you kind of get that call, when you realize that's not going to happen, uh, you know, I, I'm still, I still love my work and, and what I do. And I'm really, really lucky that uh, I've hit the ground running, uh, which is great. Um, but it's definitely, you know, you also and I would say 95% of people in this business have already planned for their exit anyway. I mean, <laughs> it, the NFL uh, stands for not for long. Uh, so you know <laughs> you know that you're going to be out at some point. I love soon. that. I love and that. That's, I that's definitely stolen. That's not my thing. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So you have an exit plan. Now, we didn't have a COVID exit plan. That's for sure. Um, and uh, But I couldn't be any more uh, like... Uh, gracious and humble for working for Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they they treated me and my wife and the family incredibly across the time. Um, and this is this is pro sport. I mean, that's just that's part of the game. Like you have to realize that when you're getting into pro sport, that we're we're all uh, a part of that. And and I I truly believe, and I think if you ask people there that that my performance wasn't uh, the reason why I was uh, let go, it was just this different circumstances that happen new head coach comes in uh that's just part of the industry so um yeah it's definitely it's not ideal <laughs> no, <laughs> no no one wants to finish their contract um if you don't want it to but uh you also have to look at uh look at it in a way of like what's the next challenge and how you're going to attack it uh i definitely didn't sit there and and uh you know sit in the corner and uh kind of you know cried tears of misery and why me and uh, all this other stuff. It was like, wow, okay, great. What's next? Like, let's go. We've got, we got some more challenges to hit and um, let's go home, tell the wife, like, we'll figure this out. There's, there's you know, we, we've got plenty of time and options and, uh, you know, we'll make some calls. And I think that's part of what's so important in this business is like talking to people and like, don't, 
um, I probably shouldn't say this, but like, don't be a dickhead. Mm. Just be be a good person. Um, and if you think if you are good at your job and you treat people correctly, that you know you will you will land your feet. Um, so I think it's just really important that you know if if there's younger people listening that are getting into the business, realize that it could finish in one year. I mean, I I got really lucky. I you know 2015 chip left at that end of that year. I, I could have been gone after one year. Um, and I really didn't have much of a backup plan. So I was only lucky that after those few years, I had a backup plan uh, properly. Well, not a backup plan, but I had I had an exit strategy from the US at least. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's not easy at the time, but it's also, you just have to flick that mindset of, uh, yeah, good. All right, let's go. Next challenge, let's crack on. Yeah, and so- I think most people would be the same. I think if you talk to anyone else who's been in a similar situation, um, you know, and, and the Eagles were fantastic to us too. I mean, uh, you know, we ended up staying in the US and uh, we, we had our third child over there and they were uh, extremely, uh, just with COVID and all that stuff, I, I cannot thank that organization more um, for what they did for us. So, um, and across the whole time, I mean, Jeffrey Laurie, the owner, he, he is a sensational person um, and a sensational leader in that community. Um, and so, you know, I, I can't thank the organization enough. I mean, I, I had six, six, seven great years, um, which is more than a lot of people can last. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm really grateful for the whole opportunity. And I think if you have that mindset of, you know, you're, you're just, you're just holding that seat for someone else. Um, someone else is in it before you and someone is going to be in it after you. You're like, it's not, you talk about, you know, the All Blacks and what they talk about is, you know, you're just, you're wearing that jersey um, at the moment, but there's a legacy. It's the same thing. Every sport has a legacy. There's coaches before, coaches after. Um, so you're just warming, you're warming the seat for the next person to come in. Just to go another layer down, again, feel free to stop me. The process of you getting let go or let, I've told you're going to get let go. Is that a phone call? Because given what you've just said about how good they were with you, it almost sounds like it's a bit of... You weren't booted out of the door. Like, you're terrible. Off you go. See you later. It's almost a bit... It sounded a bit... It wasn't your fault, but we've kind of got to do this because this is how it goes. Really sorry, but this is what's going to happen. Am I right in thinking that's how it kind of played out? Yeah, I, I think I was definitely in a different situation to other people. I mm-hmm. think and that's one thing. Everyone's going to have their own story with that. Um, for me, it was, um, and I would, I mean, if if it wasn't, it was we don't need to get into this, I guess, but like the, the fact that it's a phone call wasn't really a big deal since it was, uh, we're in COVID and it was different circumstances. Of course, yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's some other things there that, you know, it would have happened differently. Um, but, you know, I, I truly believe that because I, uh, I try and be a good person that, uh, and I have a, I guess a different mindset with it, that it, you know, it, and it wasn't, you know, it was, uh, there was so many, there's multi factors into it, you know, uh, you know, it was more about, we're not extending your contract uh, further or getting a new contract than it was like, we're going to fire you right today and like walk out the door and leave. Um, so there's some different circumstances around and I'm sure each person would be, uh, would be different with that as well. Cool. I like it. Thank you for that. I, I, I wanted to ask because it's something I've never asked before for certain, so many people have gone through it, but it never really gets talked about. So I'm uh, obviously really appreciate you, uh, you sharing that. So why, the transition, and you said you had a bit of a plan or a little bit of an exit strategy. Why choose to go from a an applied on the ground with players to more the sports tech commercial side? I mean, it's something that I obviously never made to the, the Disney Heights of the NFL, but that was my strategy to get into the more the commercial side because I enjoyed it. But is that something that you've always had as a plan? Because you, you you have thought it'd be something that would fit your personality, your character, or just something that happened? Yeah, I think it's kind of both, I guess. Mm. I um, I think it's always been something that I've thought that I would excel at um, and that I thought that I just re- would really enjoy uh, if I got the right uh, group of people or the right company to work for. Um and so when I, yeah, when I talked to Ben um, and he's the CEO of Hawkins, um, it was, it was just such a great fit that it just, 
you know, any other offers or anything came up, just didn't make sense. Uh, and it just ended up being perfect. So, uh, like, not only is the company fantastic, like, the, the people are fantastic, uh, the technology is great, um, you know, and I've used it myself. And so it's just, there's just a bunch of different things there that just made it, uh, like a, just a, a job that's too good to be true. And just as you talked about earlier, like having my, my son starting school and wanting to start in Australia, I mean, all the things just honestly just lined up. So, um, you know, I, uh, it also kind of got to the point too, where, you know, elite sport and pro sport, uh, your, your resume just goes from place to place, right? Like there's a, there's a point where, okay, how do you want your lifestyle to look? Um, and, and how do you want, uh, your family to remember you at the same time? So, uh, like, do I always want to be, you know, the NFL was particularly taxing in terms of hours. Like you're, you're there at six, you're there till 10, like it's, it's long days. So like, you know, there's, now, there's some time in the off season you have off and you have some great time, but there's also like when you're on, you're on. Um, and you know, if you're, if, if I was to be a performance director somewhere, then you're like, you're just as busy and, and crazy. If you work in, in soccer or football or, or whatever sport you work in, your, your hours are going to be, uh, insane. Now, don't get me wrong. Competition is fantastic. Like I love winning. Um, and I hate losing. So I, uh, I, I love that side of it, but I definitely am really excited to, um, I think a lot of it for me was this is definitely a new challenge and I'm really excited about starting something new and having a new challenge and sinking my teeth into it and seeing how I go um, more than, oh, I, I'm not going to work in elite sport. Like that's that's not – my mindset's not like that. It's like this is a really cool challenge. It has really good people. Like the tech is awesome. Um, I, like I've used it myself. I know how valuable it can be. This is This is perfect. Like let's let's attack this with everything I've got, and I get to look after a whole region uh, like of Asia and Oceania, and, and take care of it, um, and be just someone to bounce ideas off with my experience, and be someone to lean on, uh, and really I get to be an applied sports scientist for a bunch of people now, which is amazing. So yeah, like I I literally want to be hey I'm give me a call give me a call. Let's talk about it and go through it. Um, and that's what, like, that's part of the reason I was so excited to talk to you is just, um, you know, I've never done a podcast before and, uh, I've been kind of in the shadows, which has been great. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's just fun to talk about this stuff and, and I've got no problem talking about, you know, I got let go or didn't get extended. Great. People should learn about what it's like. like that's, it's actually really important. Like you're going into this industry, um, of pro sports like that it is going to happen to you at some point so i've got no problem talking about it because it is going to happen to you get ready for it um have have some emergency funds waiting for you so you can last a few months um especially if you've got kids and family and whatnot so yeah i guess that's that's the that's the thing i'm most excited about is just the next challenge and really like having fun with this and, and getting after it love it well thank you for coming out of the background and having a little chat. I do, appreciate, <laughs> I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. No, thanks, mate. Well, I know you say you're not a big social media guy, but is are you active anywhere? Can people keep in touch with what you've got going on? Or is that going to increase given the new role? Maybe not. Uh, that's a great question. Yeah, um, yeah I so I did um, I did start no, I mean, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big social media guy. Yeah. I uh, I kind of uh, I kind of I kind of take things uh, you know uh, just as they come, um, you can definitely reach me, uh, at my email, which is james at hawkandynamics.com. Um, I, I'm also free to do consulting work as well. I have started my own business off the side at the same time. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, a uh, yeah. Hanish performance consulting. Um, so, you know, if you want to reach out and talk about kind of experience of NFL or, you know, American sport and, uh, play development processes and all those kind of things, um, I'm definitely available to do that. Um, and my experience in sports science and the and the application of it. So uh, they're kind of the two areas. But in terms of social work, I kind of stay clear. Not a bad thing. Not a bad <laughs> thing at all. Stay strong. Stay strong. <laughs> yeah, no. Right, mate. Well, I'm going to let you crack on with your evening, but thank you very much for giving it your time. It's been, uh, it's been a great conversation, and I really appreciate your honesty and allowing me to dive into the little bits that may uh, certainly felt me uncomfortable found me uncomfortable it obviously was water for ducks back for you clearly but um yeah thanks very much mate i really appreciate it
Absolutely, of course. Thanks, mate. Speak soon. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast. I hope you enjoy the chat with James. So slightly different to this epi- in this episode, we talked about some things that we've never touched on in the Pacey Performance Podcast. One being what it's like to get fired, what it's like to have your contract not renewed, and what do you do in preparation for that? What do you do after that? How do you pick up your life post your potential dream job? So thank you for your support. If you haven't pressed subscribe on your chosen podcast player, make sure you do now. So every Thursday morning UK time, you will get a leading strength and conditioning coach or sports scientist who has had the experiences like James, potentially of winning the Super Bowl, onto your phone or tablet for free. What could be better than that? So thank you for your support and I'll chat to you next week.